We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The names behind the numbers. The stories behind the names. This is the Her Hoop Stats Podcast with John Little. Out of a scheduling quirk, I had an opportunity to do a game and I said, we, we think you could do this. Like, this is, would you like to do this? And I'm like, is this a trick question? I, I, would, I would give anything. The biggest newsmakers, the best storytellers, the Her Hoop Stats Podcast. Here's your host, John Little. Welcome into the Her Hoop Stats Podcast. I'm your host, John Little. Good to be with you once again as we push over 60 podcasts in total when you take into account this interview type show and then the unplugged podcast as well that we do here on Her Hoop Stats as well. We really are excited about you being with us today. And here's the great thing about podcasts. I know this sounds extremely professional right now. I know this sounds like I'm in a perfect studio and it's just pristine quality, but I'm sitting on my bed on a Sunday night in the first week of March here. I've got the dog at the foot of my bed, the black lab, two years old. Uh, She's uh, at the end of her night, and so she just likes to snuggle up at the end of her bed and try to get some rest in. But she doesn't look at me when I talk loud, so that's one of the things that she doesn't like is, is when I talk loud, so she's trying to ignore me right now. And then tucked into the crook of my left arm, right underneath my armpit and nestled up against my side is my six-year-old daughter, Braylon. And she got out of bed and said, Daddy, I, you didn't give me any snuggles. You didn't give me proper snuggles. So I am, I am dual action right now. I am snuggling. I am being a hashtag girl dad right now. And at the same time, I am recording a podcast. So this is, uh, this is pretty awesome. So good to have you with us. Sarah Kustak is our guest today, and we're going to get to her in just a second. But first, before we do that, I thought, uh, I just came upon this the other day, and I, I wanted to read this to you. This means so much to me that uh, some of our listeners give us ratings and reviews 
on whether it be Apple Podcasts or wherever you can do that, or maybe they send something in on podcast at herhoopstats.com. That's her email address. But this particular review came from at J.D. Deich, and I don't know if that maybe is my mom's burner account, because this is a really nice message, and so I just wanted to bring it to you. So let's strike up a little little, uh, review reading music, shall we? All right, that will have to work. All right, here's what J.D. Deitch had to say. If you are a women's basketball fan, this podcast is a must-listen. The interviews are first-rate, especially with the coaches. You also get good reports on teams and players, like the recent one on Rice. The podcast is a good way to keep up with teams from outside your own region. John Little is a very likable and knowledgeable host whose love of the game and good humor always come through. The music is good. The production is high quality. If you crave more information and insight about the women's game, give this podcast a listen. I've just got to say, Braylon, I think you can clap. Can you clap for that review? Yes, I think that was a good review. Um, I got to say, J.D. Deitch, that might be the best review we've ever gotten. So I want to say thank you. Whoever you are, I'm not sure who it is. Like I said, it could be my mom's burner account or it might not be. Thanks so much for the rating and the review. And hey, we encourage you to review the podcast as well because it really does help people find the show. I was just uh, going into Apple Podcasts the other day and I just typed in women's basketball. And we're like the number two podcast that comes up. And the same type of thing uh, for WNBA as well. We're one of the first few that come up. And that's not because of us. That's because of you. That's because you listen, because you consume it. So thank you for consuming it. Sarah Kustak is our guest, and she is a multi-talented broadcaster. She's been around the game for a long time. We're about the same age. Uh, She's um, like six months older than I am, so we were in college at the same time uh, back in the early to mid-2000s, and she eventually gets into the broadcast game, and she's just gotten better and better, more impactful, and now here for the last three seasons, she has been the lead analyst for Brooklyn Nets basketball. How cool is that? And so she is the first female full-time analyst, solo analyst for a local broadcast or a broadcast of an NBA team. I just think it's such a cool distinction. And you'll certainly hear why her effervescence just comes through. And she's got that gift of gab like we all want to have in the broadcast in- industry. But I think it's it's so cool to hear from her uh, about her winding path, uh, about how you come up in the industry. And I think more than anything, what I got from her is, my gosh, what a great spirit she is. And you can tell, like, that's the reason she's gotten where she is. And obviously, she's very good at her job. She knows the game from being a player and a coach and now a longtime media member. But she's able to translate that into uh, just the way that she's uh, able to speak about the game. And um, you know that a good reason, a good part of the reason she's gotten where she's gotten is because she treats people right. So that's why I'm so excited to bring you Sarah Kustak today. And yes, uh, you will see her on some women's basketball broadcasts, on some some college women's basketball broadcasts, especially around uh, the uh, the tournament time, the college basketball tournament time. Um, but uh, obviously, she's having an impact at the very highest levels of basketball, and that is why we are so excited to chat with 
with Sarah Kustak. John, I'm honored. Thank you for having me. I've been really excited about this. So thank you so much. Well, absolutely. Let's So let's go through your story if people don't know it. And obviously they know you as um, the analyst for the Brooklyn Nets on TV. And, um, uh, of course, a longtime uh, sports broadcasting uh, personality. But at the same time, I mean, your roots go a lot deeper than that in basketball tell us your earliest memories of basketball getting involved with it and uh you know eventually playing in college oh goodness john um that's that's it's it's funny when you think about that because my earliest memories i mean i i don't know how old i was and i should probably pin this down but i was just you know three four five just a young kid and i of course have an older brother zach um who's three years older than me who let me tag around with him anywhere and everywhere he went and he um was a great athlete himself and um, but, but we always played basketball. I had some cousins that lived around the area, our friends at the schoolyard. And so ever since I feel like I could walk, we had a ba- hoop in hoop in the back alley and we just would always basketball, um, along with other sports was always such a part of my upbringing, my childhood and what I was so passionate about and loved. And I always, always loved sports and played volleyball and soccer, baseball, a little bit of everything. But basketball was always the one game that uh, just drew me in in such a way that I couldn't get enough of it. And whether, you know, it was early on and makes me feel old saying this, John, but when I was when I was in middle school and then going into junior high, we didn't have, um, or at least in the early years, didn't have a girls team. So I played on our boys team um, and then continued playing on that team until, you know, the travel team, uh, until I got into high school, um, along with some other AU teams, but it just, um, it, it was such a part of, of what I cared about and loved. And I just remember whether it was going into school or high school or being in the backyard, uh, all hours of the night after games, you know, the janitors would be so kind if I had a tough game to let me back in and then shoot, shoot to the wee, wee hours of the morning. But, um, it has always been such a just major factor of something that I loved. And I fell in love with a little girl and um, having the opportunity to play at DePaul in college and for the legendary coach, Doug Bruno, um, who to this day is still such an important figure and role and role model in my life. Um, and my teammates who you know are still my best of friends and, and things like that. Um, it, it really, it's been one of those circumstances that the the game is so much bigger than the game it's it's a part of life it's taught me so many aspects about who I am and has helped make me who I am um but yeah but I I feel like I can't I almost can't remember a time um when in some way shape or form basketball wasn't a part of my life how did your game get framed as far as your ability to shoot from deep tell us about what kind of player you were and, and how you got that way well, I think the the funny part of that, I mean, I do think I had become the shooter I was um, and the three points, you know, things of that nature, just because all, you know, all I ever did when I wasn't at practice or we weren't playing or we weren't playing pickup, I, I just wanted to shoot. And it was, it's something that people say um, often, but a basketball court was truly my sanctuary. So no matter what was going on in life or different things, good or bad or what, I just, I always want to go out to the hoop and shoot at any hour of the night. And I, um, you know, I have vivid memories of, of just kicking around and, you know, my mom would come out and rebound for me or things like that. Or I'd grab my brother and me, my brother would play and he'd kick my butt um, playing one-on-one, but every part of that, he would be 
talking to me and telling me about different things and ways to work on my game. Um, and incredible teammates, you know, whether it was through AU or just, you know, living in Chicago. Um, I think so often about the times when I was in middle school or um, in junior high, we'd go to Blue Island and there was a great league. Um, and it's when I was playing with the boys team that it was just such incredible competition. And to me, um, thinking about my game, and I'm sure you could ask Doug Bruno about it for as much as, you know, I, I was a shooter. I don't know if I quite had that same shooter's mentality. More of my game was just predicated on hustle and defense. And I took so much pride um, in that area of the floor when I was a freshman at Sandberg High School, I uh, played for Gary Bonk, who had coached at, at Sandberg for many, many years. We ended up, um, you know, going to, we ended up finishing a third in state my sophomore year, but my freshman year, um, when I was playing on the varsity and starting on the varsity, which um, I don't know if he anticipated the one thing he always said, he's like, I just need, I'm going to put you on the best player on the other side. So I just need you to play defense and make open shots. If you get open shots, run the offense, you know, but more than anything, the reason you're going to be on the floor is if you defend. Um, and so that was such an important part of my mentality as a player. And I think that very much carried into my years at DePaul, we had such great talent and great scores and um, great success with our team. And I can go through the list of all the awesome teammates I played with from Kyra Smith, to Jenny Dad to um, Charlene Smith. Of course, Candace Blankston was my senior when I was a freshman there. Um, but more than anything, it was just an unselfish brand of basketball. And a lot of what we did was just get it and go and run and guard multiple positions because we played small often. Um, but a, a lot of those aspects of the game, I think, really were instilled at a, at a young time of just being competitive. No matter who you were up against, I think I had the great opportunity to always be playing um, against greater competition or better athletes or um, those that may have been more physically gifted, you know, especially when I was a kid and playing against a lot of the boys. And so I think, you know, that was something that just kind of stuck with me. And you mentioned Coach Bruno, and man, they've got already 25 <laughs> wins they've piled up just this year, and we haven't even hit uh, the conference tournament yet. What was he like to play for, and do you have any funny any funny stories about Coach Bruno that oh, stick in your mind? John, I got so many funny stories. I'm not sure if I, I should begin telling. I don't know if funny is the right way. I think the beauty of Coach Bruno, and I could talk about him for hours, um, is just the the uniqueness of he truly is one of the most competitive individuals that I have been around. He will never ask anything of you that he is not doing tenfold. Um, his preparation, his dedication, his just willingness to go above and beyond in terms of working to make sure that he brings out the very best in all of his players and his coaching staff um you you name it um you you understand just how much he is pouring into what it is that you're trying to achieve um but with all that being said he cares about you just as much if not more um as a human being as a person as a young woman understanding how to continue to grow in life and whether it's you know not just you as a basketball player and as a student um but just understanding socially the social impact um of the, the people you're dealing with and what you will become and understanding different backgrounds and he just cares so much about making sure that we 
grew into the adults um, that that we had the potential to be along with the players. And with that being said, I think he could he could chew your head off and yell at you and um, go so hard at you on the floor and demand so much. And some of the brutal film sessions or some of the, the brutal four-hour practices where we thought we would never, ever leave or the time that he grounded us um, on New Year's Eve because we had a bad loss at Notre Dame and we had to be in our rooms by like 10 p.m. and he had our assistant coaching staff waiting in the dorms to make sure no one was out and then we had doubles uh, that began at 5 a.m. the next morning. I mean, he, it was, um, you know, it was one of those situations where it brought us together in the moment it felt brutal, but the, you look back at it and you know that he was trying to bring the best out of us yet every day we had to check into the office um, and he'd ask us about whether it's our family or school or what was going on or if we're good or is there anything we need we knew that he cared so much about us um, as people so as soon as you stepped off the court he was not caring if he, if he was mad at you about not running a play right th- that never carried over as soon you know as soon as you stepped out of the gym and for that um, I just it, I think it, it brought a great sense of um, just just understanding and of love and of support, um, but also a sense of wanting to run through a wall for him um, because you knew that out of anyone, no matter what he believed in you, he believed in us as a team um, more than anyone possibly could. Wow, that is awesome. It's great to hear that. And I, I'm just curious because I'm uh, just a little bit fuzzy. When did you start to get into the broadcasting side of things because i know it was a communications it's, degree John, for you very fuzzy. yeah <laughs> let, let's uh very fuzzy but that's you know what and, and people always you know i i think anytime and lots of times you'll talk people will want to hear your story or how did you get into it and of course you know as you talk to young individuals trying to get into it and i always i kind of cringe at the question because it was so all over the place john i had no intention in any capacity of, of getting into pro- what i'm doing now i mean and i'm so thankful for but wasn't really even on my radar. I initially, um, I grew up loving math. I was a, I was into math. So junior high, high school, I thought when I was going to DePaul, I was going to go to their business school, get into accounting, finance, something of that area. Um, ended up taking a few communications, gen ed communication classes, public speaking, um, some linguistics classes, different things that I, I really started to get into. And so fast forward, I, I, I changed my, I was communications and sociology, I, sociology I also really loved, I, I minored in juvenile justice. And so I, I really, I thought for some time I would be a social worker. I mean, when I tell you, I was all across the board, but I really enjoyed a, a lot of the classes I was taking the opportunity and you get so focused on basketball, um, in a good way that you're maintaining, you know, the grades you should be getting. But in terms of thinking about the next step, um, I think I was a little bit more singularly focused currently on on basketball and, and what you were trying to do to be the best player you could be. And so with that being said, as I continued on, started, you know, singling down more in communications, I started grad school my senior year and was able to finish my fifth year um, with a master's in corporate and multicultural communication. So I was still in the communication realm, but TV broadcast Broadcasting was not, you know, not not in the cards at that point. But during that fifth year, when I was finishing grad school um, and 
was finishing off my scholarship by working in our uh, sports information office, I had the opportunity to be essentially a production runner for ESPN Big Ten or Big Ten college football games on the weekends because that was the time I had a little bit of off time. Um, our athletic director, Jeannie Lenti Ponsetto, who was so integral in in helping set that up for me, um, you know, help create the opportunity to set up some interviews. And long story short, I sat in a, in a TV truck and was blown away. And I was like the adrenaline rush, the, the, the red light goes on, you're alive. You gotta, you gotta be ready. You know, the, the idea of success and failure, but still competing to be your best. There were so many aspects of course. And then sports, you get to be at sports, you get to be at a game, you're a part of a team um, in creating this production and creating this broadcast and just, I fell in love with it. So in that in that fifth year when I was finishing grad school, I started calling some high school games, high school basketball games, some football games there in Illinois um, and in Chicago. I got an opportunity to call a couple of women's college games. And, you know, it was incredible. And so I it was trying to build some of my my, um, you know, networking with ESPN and making some fake demo reels. And they had me do a spring game. And so I was kind of on that track. And then um that following summer thought I would just continue piecing together, you know, doing some TV work that, that I was scrounging up. And, um, uh, that's when Maggie Dixon, um, God rest her soul had left to take the head coaching job at army. And so it was about August or September and, um, coach Bruno called me, he said, I know you're trying to do the TV stuff and we're really proud of you, but you know, would you consider joining the staff? He said, I think we're going to be really good. And in fact, um, the team ended up going to the sweet 16 that year, but he's like, I just, I need someone to be able to recruit and to coach and do all the things, um, that knows me, that knows our system, that knows inside and out exactly what we're looking for. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you John, at the time I was, you know, you're trying to make ends meet and you're trying to get everything together. And it, it really um it was such a blessing um and so i called some of the folks who i had a few tv things lined up with i said what do you think they were like well you know it can only help you they're like you'll get a different perspective if you you know you think about the concept of analyst work or things like that this will only help and um so i i changed lanes did that for a while um i honestly considered very hard um doing it for much longer but i was like if i if i do it one more year if i do it two more years i'm going to do it forever because there were so many aspects of coaching that i absolutely loved and as you know and can imagine with recruiting once you start recruiting players you get attached to what they're doing and i was like if i recruit another class and, and, and in this way like, you know for for getting so invested i i'll never want to leave so i was like i, I want to vet out the tv stuff see if i can make this work and so um following that following year um, I ended up starting the same type of thing in the Chicago area, some of ESPN's network, um, whether it was ESPN, you know, plus or ESPN U to um, doing some college football, college basketball. And I've taken too long in telling the story. <laughs> That's why um, I always shy away from it because it was just a mixed match, mix and match of, you know, it ended up doing a little stuff for the Fox station in Chicago. And then they had me fill in sports anchor some, and I was doing some more of that. So then there was some opportunities with Comcast Sportsnet, um, some opportunities to do some pieces with the Bears. And then it's, you know, it was kind of one thing leading to another. I did indoor lacrosse. I did Chicago Fire MLS. Um, then it eventually, one way or another, um, I was doing a lot of Big East 
football for um, for ESPN's family and networks, and then you know a few others with with a lot of college basketball, and got to do the women's NCAA tournament for ESPN um, for a few years. But after piecing it all together, um, that's where you know I was doing my work then with Comcast Sportsnet, and eventually leading me to to the ES Network with the Brooklyn Nets. So um, a lot of a lot of connections in between. But as it goes with TV and in the broadcast world, as you know, it's kind of just figuring things out one at a time and getting a lot of just beautiful, amazing experiences, um, you know, and enjoying the journey. That's what you think about where you're trying to get to. And it was less about that. It was more about, gosh, I, I feel so lucky and grateful to do what I'm doing and have these amazing experience in the world of sports um, on a daily basis. Broadcasting sports is so fun and it's so addicting. And it sounds like you were just really, really thankful to be there. But at the same time, it sounds like, and I just want to read into just something you said right at the beginning of that statement, that even in the beginning, you were talking with people about the possibility of being an analyst. And I hate when, and and we're definitely moving out of it, and you're certainly a big part of it, you know, uh, it's a girl putting her on the sideline, you know, and and certainly yeah. that's where a lot of us start, whether it's, you know, whether we're a guy or a girl, we, we start on the sideline. That's kind of what you do, and you, and you work your way up, so to speak. But it sounds like in the beginning that you had your eyes kind of set on that analyst chair eventually. Can you speak to that? John, very much so. And I, I'm going to be really honest with that. That That's, you know, I, I think we see it now, too, with sports. Sometimes the former athletes or former players are put in that analyst role. And then others who have been in TV or have the um, the background of education or whatever, you know, you be a play-by-player, you do this or you do that. So um, long story short, I was able to truly get my foot in the door and have early opportunities because of my background as a player. So whether it was the boys and girls, you know, high school state championships, whether it was doing some women's college games, um, most of my early reel of, oh, maybe she can do this stuff was in that analyst chair. And I think that was my wheelhouse. That's where you feel comfortable. That's why you're thinking less about um, some of the technicalities of TV and more about you're just speaking and you're in a comfort zone. But with that being said, um, there was a little bit quicker of a um, of a trajectory to do more TV, do bigger stuff if you know, with different games or with different networks, if you move to different roles and then you understand even more about, you know, the other mechanical and technical sides of TV. So that's, yes, where I was doing more sideline reporting or doing more feature reporting or, you know, hosting, um, anchoring, that type of stuff. And I think that in some ways, and and again, it was amazing and so grateful for it, but I think how much I covered, you know, hockey or covered the NHL or covered the NFL, um, and the NBA and my love, which is why I ended up um, eventually taking that job with the Brooklyn Nets and with Yes Network, was I, I loved basketball and I loved the NBA. And um, I would still at the time do call a lot of women's games in the analyst chair. And being an analyst was always what was at the core of what I loved most. Um, but I felt like I had to do other things to still cover different games or different sports or, or do more. Um, and so the opportunity of where I'm at now was an opportunity I didn't ever really truly think would happen. It didn't even cross my mind about, wow, maybe I could become the analyst for this NBA team. Um, and I'm thankful for, you know, those who believed in me so much are, are my, you know, executive producer, John Filippelli and my, 
um, game producer and our coordinating producer, Frank DeGrace. Like those were the two guys that out of a scheduling quirk, I had an opportunity to do a game and I said, we, we think you could do this. Like this is, would you like to do this? And I'm like, is this a trick question? <laughs> I, I would, I would give anything um, to be able to do this. So yeah, with that being said, the reason that I, I loved what I was doing so much in those early parts was having an opportunity to be an analyst. And um, it was a little bit of a winding road as, as I know uh, you can tell, but it, it's taken me full circle to a place that um, I, I just am, am thrilled every day that I have and grateful every day that I have the privilege to, to do that. Who have been your biggest encouragers in the industry uh, along this journey? Who are those people that you go to for that encouragement, that guidance when you need it? Gosh, there, um, I'm remiss to start naming names because I am certain I will leave someone out because it is, it's an endless list of people who have been so kind and gracious in their time and their advice um, in just trying to help me along. So I, I can continue going on and on. Um, but the the ones that have been a consistent force all the time have been, as I had mentioned, um, our coordinating producer and our game producer for the Brooklyn Nets broadcast, Frank DeGrace, um, who has been in the thick of it and um, good, bad, just all of trying to help me be the best I can be. He's always there for that. And then my play-by-play partners, Ian Eagle and Ryan Rucco. Um, and I, I may be a little biased. I'm not sure I am. I think I, I have the opportunity to work with two of the best in the business. And for though that reason alone, it, it um, helps me become better. And they have just been tremendous um, in whether it's just a sounding board, whether it's advice, whether it's thoughts, whether it's you name it. Um, they have been people that I rely on and wouldn't be able to do what I do or be where I am without it. Um, and so those would be my immediate thought. And there's so many in the business. There's, there's so many. And I would also just say, I am so grateful to, and there's been different iterations and different people in the roles, but our, our front office and coaching staff with the Brooklyn Nets, so many of the players, um, the fact that they thought nothing of a female being in this role. Um, and even, you know, when I first got it and I was the first female to, to have that position under the circumstances of which it was, um, they, they didn't even, they didn't even process it because it was very just normal for them. Um, and just the ability to talk to them and the support that they've given and, um, the feedback or, or just the thought or conversation or different insights about what's happening or you miss this or what about this? Or, Oh, you saw that here, let me show you, X, Y, and Z about a game or about things were breaking down or to put there's again, I, an endless list. Um, but I will say just the opportunity to have people help me become better or, um, just be so supportive with, with all of it. Um, you know, th- those are the ones that I think have been game changers in helping me to do this job at the level that I do. I think your confidence comes through and, and just knowing that that you belong now was it always that way did you feel any pressure when you got that gig to make sure that you didn't you know so many of us when we start a new job we're like all right don't screw this up but i mean this is a i'm this is a big assignment how did you approach it how did you feel about it in 2017 when you uh when you first started in this role john that's such an excellent question um 
I will say, I will say twofold. One, um, a lot of, a lot of people had asked me about that or asked about pressure. Like part of the reason I, I love this job or just this in general, this business and profession is the idea of pressure, the idea of performing, the idea similar to as we are as athletes um, or as we were the games, like you got, you got one shot, you go out there, play, perform, do whatever and see how it goes. So that I always craved and thrive on. And I love that. Um, so I don't think I felt any pressure or any pressure different to what we normally do. I felt such a great deal of responsibility. Um, and the responsibility came from the fact that I know I was getting this opportunity because of those before me. I, I mentioned this all the time, but I think of Ann Myers Drysdale. I think of Doris Burke, um, I think of those who help pave the way and even in other sports, whether it was Beth Moens and what she's been able to do, um, whether it is, you know, Jessica Mendoza, again, there's a multitude of people, whether it's in different sports or different places um, that help me have an opportunity like I did. And I knew the same would be for me. I want to make sure those behind me and those in other generations were afforded the same opportunities. I wanted to make sure the girls coming up, the girls wanting an opportunity to do this um, would have those because I did a job competent enough that it would be like, okay, we don't, it's, it's not about gender, gender. It's, it's about how well and how competent can this person perform their job. And so for that, um, I just felt a great deal of responsibility. And also I want, you know, I want the, the younger kids or future generations or even those around us to not think, not think about, oh, wait, there's a female doing, there's a woman doing this and, and just judge someone based on the job that they do um, and how well prepared or how competent they are at doing that job. And so that I felt in a very, very heavy way. Um, but it was a way that I, you know, it, it helps you be better. It helps you make sure that you are prepared every moment of every broadcast and everything you do. And it's not going to be perfect. And I think with all of that being said, we still have those moments that you're, you're mad at yourself. You beat yourself up. Um, I am my, my toughest critic. So I never believe that I, I do as good of a job as I felt like I should have or could have. Um, and you have your moments, whereas we know in this business, it's very subjective. Some people think you're great and some people think you are garbage. And so it's just, it's just it's, it's trying to work through that. And I think at the end of the day, um, you know, those that are best in this, in this business have a tough skin. And I think a lot of that I've had a tough skin since I was a little girl and since I started and a lot of it thanks to sports um, and thanks to basketball and thanks to those type of things. And so I think we all have those moments. Um, but the preparation at the end of the day to me was if I'm as prepared as I possibly can be um, and I put in the work, then the outcome of, of the job I feel like I do is as long as I feel like it's the best that I could do and, and prepare the best possible way um, that I could live with that. And I'll be okay with that. And that was just kind of the approach I took um, and still takes. I don't think that ever changes. I think that same type of approach uh, you think about um, every time you have an opportunity to do this job. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for being a trailblazer. Thank you for being a great role model for everybody in the in broadcast industry. And uh, a lot of different analysts can look to and say, uh, that's how I want to do it. Thank you so much for that. And we wish you the best as you continue moving up through your career. John, thank you so, and thanks for having me on. I hope we could do this again sometime. I really, I really appreciate, uh, I really appreciate this time. Thank you for having me. Thanks to Sarah Kustak, our guest here on the Her Hoop Stats podcast. We are so thankful 
to Sarah for coming on the show. And that makes two really uh, nice media members who have come on here back to back. If you missed Adam Amin last week, you've got to go back and listen to Adam. Uh, He just talks about going through that record-breaking night where Sabrina Ionescu grabbed the 1,000th rebound and how they wove through that broadcast. It was just such a great education for me as a broadcaster, but I think even if you don't broadcast games, you're really going to get a lot out of that uh, particular podcast because he kind of draws back the curtain and shows you some things maybe you wouldn't have thought about and maybe that you'll watch for uh, now, uh, if you if you hear from him, um, one of our favorite women's basketball broadcasters, Adam Means. So I uh, appreciate Adam and his time as well. And we've got a couple more interviews that I'm recording actually on Monday, and I'm looking forward to bringing those to you over the next couple weeks. They are coming up just around the bend, um, but we appreciate you listening. As always, rate and review, review and rate, especially on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. And also just send us an email. Um, we, we got a nice tip email from somebody this week as well at podcast at herdhoopstats.com. If you've got a way we can make the show better, we want to hear it. Really, we want to make the show great for you. So thanks so much for listening. Thanks to our guest, Sarah Kustak. We appreciate Susie Solis. She's always our announcer. Jared Deck, jareddeckmusic.com brings you the music. And, of course, Aaron Barzilai is the executive producer. I'm John Little. Until next time, reminding you, that at the Her Hoop Stats podcast, we are unlocking better insight about the women's game. Her Hoop Stats.